This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Welcome to Shine Your Light with executive and leadership coach Nadine Zainoun. Shine Your Light is a leadership and emotional intelligence series aiming to create a safe space for all you leaders out there. A space where you feel understood, cared for, and supported to develop into the leaders you have long aspired to be. So please welcome the host of Shine Your Light, Nadine Zainoun. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to our new episode of Shine Your Light, our leadership and emotional intelligence series. So if you're watching us for the first time, this show is for all leaders out there who are feeling stressed or overwhelmed, or perhaps like they're not in the right place. This show allows you to connect with someone who understands you, who will care for you, and who will give you the support you need to become the leaders you've always aspired to be. Today's episode is on how we can be invaluable. Wow, that's a great topic, isn't it? So being invaluable or becoming invaluable, I mean, what I love about it is that it's not only about me. So it goes beyond myself, it goes beyond my purpose and my goals, and it touches the lives of people around me. And that's why I feel that this is a very significant and important topic to talk about today. And who's better than Dr. Terry Lyles and Stephen Bowen to be with me today, who are the authors of a new book called Being Invaluable. So welcome, uh, Dr. Lyles, and welcome, uh, Stephen, to the show. It's really Thank great you. to have you here with us. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. So Dr. Terry is known as the stress doctor, uh, just to tell everyone about you. And he holds a PhD in psychology. And he's also a great educator and a speaker who speaks to universities, Fortune 500 companies, even world-class athletes and the public in general. And he has changed the lives of hundreds and thousands of people out there, helping them navigate the highs and lows of life and be able to reach the performance they want despite the challenges that they're going through. And at the same time, Stephen is the founder and the former CEO of global consultancy, MainPoint, and he's the author of the groundbreaking book, Total Value Optimization. And Steve brings more than 30 years of experience in leading turnarounds in Fortune 100 companies. And he supports, advises, and consults 
CEOs and organizations all over the world. So welcome again. It's really, really amazing to have you here with us today. And Thank you. We're excited to be here. Yeah, that's Thank great. And I'm really excited about the topic, to tell you the truth. And I'm very intrigued about what made you think of such you know, a topic being invaluable. So Dr. Lyles, maybe you would answer that question since you came up with the idea. Well, him and I kind of had a kind of a car crash idea, I guess it was. So uh, this is my first book. So I've never co-written with someone and Steve's background and working with him over the past several years, I, I just felt like it was a natural fit because we do similar but different things. Mm -hmm. um, I, so we started talking about this concept of, you know, what if we could train corporations? Because I do a lot of corporate training. You do. Steve has done a lot of that with his own company and with others on boards. And if you could hire right, train right, you, you can retain right people. And it starts with finding and developing people that have the capacity to become invaluable. They have mm -hmm. that je ne sais quoi that you may not be able to put your finger on, but you know there's something there and I'm gonna develop it and develop it and utilize it to advance what we consider the I, we, the it, the person, the team, and the overall organization. So that's how we really started this, just having conversation like this. And then I asked Steve if he would write a book with me and I thought he was gonna hang up and he said, hey, I'll get back to you. So I'll let Steve pick it up. <laughs> yeah. So, so what motivated you to, to co-author? Well, the, the motivation for me was, was twofold. First of all, I had been working with Terry in my company with myself, with our whole, you know, all the leaders in our team and uh, for about five years. And mm -hmm. after, after having sold the business about, oh, I don't know, you know uh, nine months or so later, Terry calls me up and he says, hey, I had this idea. And we started getting into invaluable and becoming invaluable. Like all of a sudden it came out, it was on the table within the first few minutes of our conversation. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I was like, okay, I love the idea. I need to think about it. And literally I said, I'll sleep on it and I'll call you tomorrow. 15 minutes later, I called him back and said, yes, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason is, is because I've been a student of personal development, self-development, leadership and leadership development my whole career. And I've read, you know, lots of books, a couple hundred books. I've listened to you know, in the old days, it was cassette tapes. Now it's podcasts, but uh, yeah. I've listened to literally thousands of them over the years. And and I felt like this is an opportunity to put together, you know, all the great things that I had done with Terry with our people and take that to another level and put the practical aspects of what we were able to accomplish with Mainpoint together and really, really bring that out for the leaders as you speak with them about how do you take this to a new level? And that's yeah. what we're hoping to do is to help people take their leadership and take the individuals to new levels of performance. So that, yeah. that was my motivation was to give that back out to the public. And I actually really like, I mean, I'm still in, you know, reading it. I'm still in the first half, but I really like the examples that you give because they uh, give light to concepts. So they don't look theoretical and they allow us to understand how to practically apply the theory behind it. So uh, going back to you, uh, Terry, 
you know, the concept of invaluable, you mentioned before, like, you know, you can detect that some people have the vibes of coming invaluable and you can develop them. So does that mean that not everyone can be invaluable? There are only a few people in this world that can be invaluable. Well, I think, I, I think what I, what I believe, what I've seen over my career is everyone has the capacity to become invaluable at some level. And that's what started this conversation between myself and Steve is I broke up the word invaluable. In other words, you are able to have value and the word val, the part of the word val means health, strength, and worth, which translates into self-worth. So that's on the cover of the book. And that's why yeah. we it's you have the triangle there. <laughs> yeah, because that triangle, let me get there. Okay, it's the other way. The triangle represents health, strength, and worth. So if you can focus on those three aspects, everyone has the capacity to increase their value to themselves, their families, their relationships, and organizations. It's just pulling the tools out and showing them how to utilize them, which we cover in the book, hmm. and show them that this is possible for everyone, even a student that's trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life after they graduate from high school or college. There's still this capacity. It's just unlocking that truth that's inside of all of us. Yeah, yeah. So, so if if I ask you, Stephen, like at the start of the book, I noticed that you asked an interesting question, which is about you know like the purpose or you know what 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 is it that we want to serve? Or uh, uh, I forgot the exact wording, but it has to do with the purpose. So, why do you start with yeah. that question at the at the start of the book? Well, I think. You know, what I've observed over the years, and I think the reason we started there is underneath the triangle, you have to have bedrock, right? That the triangle sits on. And that mm -hmm. bedrock is, is so important and we often ignore it. And yet we hear about this, you know, in companies, in leadership, we hear about having a purpose and a set of values and a vision. The question is, in, in this situation, is this is about the individual. And so how do you apply that to the individual? So when I think of purpose, I think of why do I exist? What really, what really inspires me for myself, no one else? What's that purpose in my life? In, in, for me, it was you know providing for my family. And early in life, I guess I meandered my way through until I settled. And I think a lot of people do. You know, we have in the book the stories of of some people who start very young, like Bill Gates, or some people who start you know, much later in life in their 60s and 70s before they find the place that they actually experience the value for themselves. And mm -hmm. then they have the opportunity to become invaluable. And purpose is sort of the the, the driving force underneath of, in, you know, the subtitle of the book is called Develop the Willitude to Navigotiate Success. And Terry and I smashed two words together. <laughs> I sort of came up with the willitude and Terry came up with the navigotiate. And, and what that purpose is so important about is having that will and that fortitude to drive yourself forward, even when you're faced with challenges. But purpose alone is not enough. You have to have the values that go with it as well. And we can talk about that some more, but it's those two things that create alignment. And so we can apply those to ourselves. And I always like to say to leaders, you have to be able to lead yourself first before you can lead others. And so what yeah. we're talking about here is how do we lead ourselves? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I love that. So so if I'm understanding you correctly, 
we have to start with our own values and understanding our own values and understanding our purpose before we start becoming invaluable to others. Uh, yeah, is yeah. that what you're actually okay? And yeah, uh, sorry, Nadine, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say because I see a lot of leaders who are really very high performers and you know they achieve so much. But when you really connect with them and you start coaching them, you see that they don't really see the value in themselves. So how important mm -hmm. is it to, to see that before you start going into becoming invaluable to others? I, I would like to make one comment there and then have Terry follow that up because I think this is where you get into the understanding of ourselves and that's really Terry's expertise. And and when you look at when you look at it, if you've been able to sit down and define your own purpose, and then you can define three to five core values. And mm -hmm. you know, I'll use a core the number one core value I have for myself is character. And I like to say it is do the right thing even when no one else is looking. And I always believe I happen to believe somebody's always looking, but you know, that's for each in their own to decide how that works for them from from that perspective. But that guides me through so many decisions that I don't make the wrong choice. And that circle encircles the value if we found a place where we had value. And Terry, I think you can build off of that a little bit. Yes. Well, I, I, and what I, I love about that is that, you know, we've all done a lot of coaching with executives over the years. And, and to your point, Nadine, you start talking to someone, you realize it's like, look, they're very skilled at what they do. They know how to, uh, you know, perform under pressure and do it as they do. But when they sometimes get alone or we're alone with them coaching with executives, you start asking probing questions and it's, it's kind of a different person, not in a bad way. It's just they haven't spent the time to develop themselves as much as they have their organization or their teams. So Steve and I went back to the I, you know, the individual. And, and I think the, 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 the layering is if you can learn who you're not, you can figure out who you are, but you have oh, wow. to learn who you're not. And, yeah. and that's, it's ugly. I mean, you got to ask some really hard questions in the mirror to say, listen, I don't do this. I don't do that. I'm not good at that, but I do this really, really well. And that's where I'm going to focus on. And then I'll hire other people around me to do those things. So I can stay focused on what it is I'm best at and most purposely fulfilled at. And unfortunately, a lot of leaders a, haven't gotten there because they don't have the budget to do that, to hire other people and, or they just don't have the awareness. So we wanted to share in the book, nine stories of people we thought were invaluable that shared similar stories like Steve and I have that went through things that showed them what they were not, that developed their willitude to navigate success based upon who they really were hidden as a gem inside of themselves. I love the idea of knowing what you're not, and this brings you closer to who you actually are. And, yes. and I guess, as you said, it takes a lot of um, humility and courage in a way to, because it's, yes. you have to be vulnerable to actually really admit that you're not good at these things uh, in mm -hmm. order to find what you really excel at. So uh, yeah, I, I really like that. So, so if we, you know, you're a stress doctor, what does this have to do with stress management? What does being invaluable have to do with stress management? You know, the, I believe the more invaluable we become as an individual, uh, not only the less stress that we'll have, or actually the conversion of bad stress to good stress, which is I, I really believe in. I don't think there is just neutral stress. It's good, bad, and it's how we review it and how we view it and see it and you know, adapt to it. 
but we we de-stress our, our toxicity around other people because if I'm really valuable and I feel that I'm valuable, I don't need you to validate me. Yeah. I'm validated by who I am and I want to add value to you as an organization, as listeners. So people that aren't described as invaluable themselves literally become takers in many cases, psychologically. Yeah. Like I need you to support me. I need you to love me. I need you to accept me. When some people can say that's arrogance, not to have that, but it's really not. I think it's confidence. And the only thing between arrogance and confidence is motive. My motive by being good or yours or Steve's is not that I think I'm better than you. It's just, I need to be good at who I am. If that threatens you, read book. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And it's so true. It's so true because most of the stress comes from, you know, trying to please people and trying to be something that looks good or whatever. So I really love this. And and I, I'm so excited to get into the pillars, you know, the five uh, uh, constituents that you talk about. And we'll actually do that uh, in a minute right after the break. So we're going to take a very brief uh, break. Uh, you're watching the Shine Your Light Leadership and Emotional Intelligence series. I'm your host, Nadine, and you're watching us live on the Bold Brave TV network. So we'll see you in a minute. What if there were a super tiny device that could diagnose the brain and is smaller than a single human hair? What if you could see inside the brain to help an epilepsy patient during surgery or to help the fight against Parkinson's disease? Dr. Patricia Broderick is proud to announce the Broderick Probe, a biomedical and electronic breakthrough. Imagine a probe to help with the understanding and potential cure of brain-related diseases. To learn more, listen live to the Easy Sense Radio Show with host Dr. Broderick, Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Bold Rave Media Network and TuneIn Radio. And to help support the Broderick Foundation, please go to Easy easysense.com and learn how with your help we can fight these horrific brain disorders that's easysense.com to learn more and help support the broderick foundation author radio show host and coach john m hawkins reveals strategies to help gain perspective build confidence find clarity achieve goals john m hawkins new book Coached to Greatness, unlock your full potential with limitless growth. Published by iUniverse, Hawkins reveals strategy to help readers accomplish more. He believes the book can coach them to greatness. Hawkins says that the best athletes get to the top of their sport with the help of coaches, mentors, and others. He shares guidance that helps readers reflect on what motivates them rediscover and assess their core values, philosophies, and competencies, find settings that allow them to be the most productive, and track their progress towards accomplishing goals. Listen to John Hawkins' My Strategy, Saturdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. So welcome back, everyone. We're here discussing on how we can be invaluable to others, and here with me is Dr. Lyles and Stephen to discuss this really important uh, topic. So, uh, Stephen, in the book, you mentioned uh, five uh, different elements. You said, uh, what did you call them? The components? Attributes. Yeah. Attributes, sorry. Yeah. So five different attributes. Yep. So you talk about mm -hmm. uh, uh, the skill, the knowledge, 
the attitude and the strength and the health. So could you give us an idea about the first three, uh, Stephen? Sure. So when we think about, you know, we mentioned earlier purpose and values and then having mm -hmm. a vision for yourself. Well, if you have a vision for yourself, then you're on a journey. And that journey has to be supported by the proper knowledge, skills, and the attitude, which attitude is not quite fortitude, but it's tied very closely to fortitude. It's our, so if you think of it this way, knowledge is what we need to know to do our job at an invaluable level. Skills are what we do with what we know, and mm -hmm. attitude is how we feel about what we do. And mm -hmm. the opportunity here to build our base is to understand the knowledge that we need to continuously build. And all you have to do is think about how fast the world is changing today with whether you wanna use the technology comparison or you wanna use the uh, rapidly evolving cultural elements that are happening right here in North America, right? It's just, uh, it's, a, it's an evolving world that's ever accelerating. And so our knowledge, we have to take the time to actually enhance our knowledge on a daily basis, then we have to learn the skills and we can do that through training. We can do that through practice. We can do that through practical experience. And, and then the attitude built. And this is the one thing that I always like to say is that if we aren't developing our knowledge and our skills, we, we suck energy out of our attitude, or if you will, our willitude, because we don't feel good about ourselves. We don't feel like we're able to perform at a higher level. And, and notice I said, we feel individually that we can perform at a higher level, not about the competition with somebody else, but that we know we're at our best. And that's what this is all about. And what that, what that, that fills into in this bedrock is what at the bottom of our triangle, we have health and we have strength. And I think, Terry, you can pick up there and kind of advance that knowledge, skills, and attitude into our focus on health and strength. Yeah, and Nadine, to kind of parlay back into what Steve just said, you know, from the knowledge, skills, and, you know, the attitude piece of that, I commonly work with people to really differentiate talent versus skill. Because talent is what we're born with. All of us have this, as I said earlier, this je ne sais quoi. I don't know, there's something that's really natural about you about doing what you do. And if you can find that harmony of whatever it is you do, that will guide your career. But we're, we're born with talent, but skill is a discipline you put around that talent to become great. And that's where knowledge and attitude, as Steve said very eloquently, is that part of the, the mission of this chapter. So that builds a health and a strength, okay, in this process. So the health part of it is mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. It's not just physical health. It's all four of those capabilities because they're, they're like four wheels on the same car and they need to be air pressured equally as much as possible. And you don't have to have four flats in a day to have a bad day trying to get to work. You only need one flat. I can have a mental flat and have a bad day, an emotional, a spiritual, physical. So we spend time in that part of the book talking about what health is, what it's not, but what it is. And it's beyond just physical. And that brings us into the strength aspect. Because when you get to strength, you start realizing that the values and the purpose Steve talked about earlier, when you feel like you're at your wit's end and you don't have any more strength or you've went through an illness or you've lost a loved one or your company was sold and now you're looking for a new job. I don't know. You pick the issue. Strength can go away. 
but your values and that knowledge that you have and the training, the skills that you have can transfer into something else. And I think that's really, really powerful. And I commonly say there's life after life. We plan life and then life happens and then we navigate it. So that's kind of what this whole part was about. Okay, I like that. So uh, can you give us an example just to make people understand? So um, I don't know who, who, Stephen, would you like to give us an example of how, like in a company, you were able, there was a challenge and you were able to use these concepts to help the leader or the organization surpass that challenge? Oh, I, I think um, I'd, I'd love to share that. And what I would say is that what, what we have put together in this whole book is literally what I practice across our organization on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis with the team. So what the way that we went about that is we would actually have a session that was orient, orientated to the individual first, and we would focus on setting out goals. And the goals, we had five categories. Five categories were health, because the attitude is you can't do God's great work here on earth if you don't have your health. And leave that aside, no matter what it is that you believe in, you can't go do that well if you don't have your health, or at least a, the right attitude around the health limitations that you might actually have in your life. Secondly, spiritual. Third, family. And it starts to get us into this concept of the work-life synergy, as we like to call it. We don't really think there's balance, but there is synergy. And then business goals, and then financial goals. So we would actually challenge our people to define their own health, spiritual, family, business, and financial goals, which tied very much in the world of consulting to delivering for our clients, bringing in new revenues, all that, those aspects were, were the business and financial outcomes. But if they, weren't, if they weren't focusing on those synergies, then it didn't work. So we would focus there. Then we did what we call the leadership focus and alignment session. And the leadership focus and alignment session was actually facilitated originally by Colonel John Spears out of the Army. And he actually helped me develop a number of these techniques around purpose, values, and vision years ago, 15, 20 years ago. And so John would lead us through an independent session. And this was all based on from West Point, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, uh, Leadership Development Center out in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, where he also taught. And so we, he would lead us through visiting, revisiting our purpose, establishing or taking our behaviors to a new level. If we had already, if we, excuse me, values to a new level, if we had already defined them, which we had, we were then defining further the behaviors. What does that look like? How do we know those values are being lived every day? And then the vision we would have to update, of course, because visions do change as, as time moves along. So this was literally the first two things we would do at the end of the year individually, going into the new year, and then kick off the leadership focus and alignment session to bring that to bear for the, for the as, as we call it, the it. So you have the I, the we, and the it, the we being the team. So then you have different teams within your it, your, your organization, and you have to make sure they're aligned as well. And so that's how we would practice this literally on a regular basis. And then we had a whole follow-up routine. I couldn't do that with everybody. I had to do that with and through our executive leadership team. So everybody had the same base from which to operate 
to help them evaluate their own performance, basically. Yeah. So I, I love the idea of how you sit and you think of behaviors and then you think of how aligned these behaviors are with the values. And I think that's a that's a missing link in some of the organizations because they, you know, people put values, but uh, you see that the behaviors are not very much aligned with the values that have been set for the organization. So I really like that uh, that exercise of you aligning both together. Could I give you one personal story on that, on behaviors? Yeah, please. So please. this was a very difficult personal one for me to face, but I'd hired an individual. I'll leave out uh, any, any specific orientation. I'd hired an individual who I knew quite well for 30 years. I also knew that individual's challenges in life. And I said, look, we don't do X and we don't do Y here in this company ever. And if you ever cross that line, you're out. Worked beautifully for three years. And one evening, I'll just say, he overstepped his boundaries in a certain situation. I heard about it the next morning from the leader of that team. And then they told me that the client was aware. So I immediately called the client, talked to the client about it. And at 5 p.m. that day, he was gone. Oh, wow. Hold the door. Now, this is where I think values fall apart so often in companies. It's not just about eight to five. It's also about five to eight, right? How people live their lives has to matter to the values. And if you don't pay attention to that, then you don't really establish in the organization that you mean what you say about the purpose and the values. So that's my, my story. And that was not an easy situation with somebody I'd known for 32 or 33 years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it uh, it was a very difficult uh, decision for you to make, but uh, really a very bold one. And I guess that's uh, that's really important. It's a very good example. So thank you for for mentioning that. And and Terry, um, I know you also work with you do work with Fortune 500 companies, but you also work with athletes. So how do these concepts apply in you know in, a, in that setting? It's it's actually the same because we're all navigators. We're CEOs, CFOs, race car drivers, fighter pilots, astronauts, stay-at-home moms. We're we're all we're all individuals trying to figure out how to navigate through every day at some level, whether that's travel or weather or illness or wellness or whatever's going on. So, you know, with athletes, I've, I've trained a lot of different athletes in a lot of different sports, but racing is one that I love. I grew up in Indianapolis by the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, so I've trained like forty drivers in IndyCar, NASCAR, Formula One. And you know what? It's, it's been such a journey over a couple of decades doing this because they're individuals too. But yeah. the training is when you strap your helmet on and you get in that car, you got to lock and shut everything else out because wow. your life depends on it. Just like a fighter pilot zipping into a flight suit and, and locking into a cockpit of an aircraft. You, your mind can't wander a lot. You know, because we call that zero tolerant work environments. Okay. Fire, rescue, police. You cruise around until your lights go off until you run into a storm building. And then that's where training comes in. And to Steve's point earlier, you will never consistently outperform your training. You may have a great day once in a while, but if you want to be great every day, like professional athletes that are high performers, you train 90% of the time, perform 10% of the time. Corporate athletes, they call them, they, they do the opposite. They're, they're working and performing about 90% of the time and train about 10% of the time if yeah. they're lucky. 
So the burnout level is much higher in corporate America with executives and managers and groups because they just don't know how to shut off. So we talk about how to use pit stops and the race car vernacular. If you don't make pit stops very quickly, but often you can't finish the race. You could be the fastest car, but you run out of fuel or you run out yeah. of tires. So you have to learn how to slow down appropriately to speed up, to have opportunity to win. And that's kind of an oxymoron unless you realize how to harvest, manage, and, and, and produce the energy levels you need through the day to get all the way through the day. And then probably most importantly is, do you have anything left when you go home? Or do you go home empty? You crash the car in the garage. I didn't park it. I crashed it. I'm going in. I'm going to kick the dog. I'm going to scream at people and I'm going to drink and go to bed. No, and I have these conversations a lot with people that they're high performers. They just don't know how to recover. So we spend time in the yeah. book talking about the power of oscillatory recovery. Oh, very nice. I like that. And, and maybe we can uh, go into that uh, right after the break. So we're going to take another brief commercial break. You're watching the Shine Your Light Leadership and Emotional Intelligence series. I'm your host, Nadine Zainoun, and you're watching us live on the Bold Brave TV network. Did you know that your beliefs create your entire reality? But it's the subconscious beliefs that do most of the creating. Belief Shifter and Life Coach Shiraz can help you identify those limiting beliefs and eliminate them, often in a single session. Like it was almost instant, like I had relief right away. Creating better health, relationships, careers, and finances. Let Shiraz help you step out of safety and into awareness. Definitely something's happening, uh, like a, a flow inside. Yeah, it feels good. Whether in person or online, Shiraz provides personal coaching, belief shifting. Visit Shiraz at energeticmagic.com or call 416-529-7429. Energetic Magic on the BBM Global Network, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Find your greater happiness. Be well. Be aware. Be magical. Are you struggling to care for elderly parents or a spouse? Do you wonder if being a caregiver is making you sick? Are you worried about taking time off work to care for elderly parents and balance work, life, and caregiving? Has caregiving become exhausting and emotionally draining? Are you an aging adult who wants to remain independent but you're not sure how? I'm Pamela D. Wilson. Join me for the Caring Generation radio show for caregivers and aging adults Wednesday evenings, 6 Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 Central, and 9 Eastern, where I answer these questions and share tips for managing stress, family relationships, health, well-being, and more. Podcasts and transcripts of The Caring Generation are on my website, PamelaDWilson.com, plus my caregiving library, online caregiver support programs, and programs for corporations interested in supporting working caregivers. Help, hope, and support for caregivers is here on The Caring Generation and PamelaDWilson.com. So welcome back to our episode on being invaluable. So um, we talked about, you briefly mentioned two new words that you added to the English dictionary, which, is, which are willitude and negotiate, no, uh, wait, uh, navigotiate. <laughs> so navigate, negotiate. <laughs> so uh, can you tell us a little bit more about them? So let's start with willitude. All right. Well, I kind of usually address the willitude side and Terry focuses on the navigotiate side. Okay. And that's because it's harder to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but we have, so, no, really, truly what 
what happened is we were having this discussion about becoming invaluable. And if we will, if we take that to a level back to the corporate environments, it's really a little bit about how do we almost make ourselves irreplaceable, right? Mm -hmm. No one's ever irreplaceable, but the concept ties to becoming invaluable. Well, in order to drive yourself to that, we said you have to develop the willitude, which was will and fortitude, because it takes a lot. And I think you know, what Terry was just talking about before, where lots of corporate performers are operating 90% of the time and training 10% instead of the other way around with a professional athlete. It's so important. And this is what we're trying to bring out is that you have to pay attention to the knowledge, the skills, the attitude, the health, the strength, and all of that ties together into having the will, the willpower, and the mental fortitude. And the reason we use the word fortitude versus attitude is because we really want to talk about the mental aspect of this. Mm. And so what happens? We all encounter challenges. We all have failures, right? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know too many people that have gone through the world of corporate America or gone through as an entrepreneur and building a company that haven't had failures. I certainly have. You know, I lost a couple of jobs along the way. And we certainly had years where it was, you know, really hard because, Things like the 0809 financial crisis, right, were really difficult. But we had to be in we had to be in a position of strength to be able to drive ourselves through that. And and that wasn't just about the company and the financial aspect. This was about the individual aspect because everybody had to stop and think differently as a result of that. And it was a real challenge to get people to move forward. And it, it took a little while, but we sorted it out. And that's the uniqueness about Willitude. Sometimes you can plow through a problem very quickly. And other times, you know what? That field is so long, you can't see the other side of it. And you've got to plow yourself all the way across that field to get there. And that's what takes the Willitude to drive yourself forward. Yeah, yeah. And it, it gets tired. I mean, willpower is like a muscle. So... I guess that's that's what part of the recovery that Dr. Terry was talking about yes. before, because your willpower is going to be drained, so you're going to use it up. Very good. Challenges. And if you don't have the mental and physical strength to deal with that, and health to deal with that, and I like to think of it this way: you know, the more you use a muscle, the bigger and stronger it gets. Well. If you haven't worked that muscle out, meaning if you haven't challenged yourself and gone through difficulties, you don't know exactly how to navigate your way through that. And so what we're trying to do is build the base because you can't predict what those issues might be. So you have to build a base that can help you to have the willitude to get through whatever challenges you might encounter. Yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. And it takes a lot of uh, training and a lot of... Uh, you know, discipline to actually gain that willitude and develop it. So no. what about the Navigotiate, uh, Terry? Very good. Yeah, I mean, and I make up a word in every book I write just because you can. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's cool. And plus we save two chapters because we combine two four words. In <laughs> so we, we, that's how we're able to carve this down a little bit. Um, but I love Navigotiate, like the willitude side, because there's days where you're navigating things and negotiating with people. Literally, mm. then there's days you're you're negotiating with people and you're navigating things. So it's this: which do you apply when, with whom, and where? 
And sometimes we misappropriate which one we're doing. Sometimes I'm neg- negotiating is the, the key, but sometimes I could be negotiating with myself. It's like, do I really need to be negotiating with myself? Mm. I mean, I need to figure out what I need to do based upon my values and, and my, my attitude and just do the right thing. Like Steve said, with that individual, you, you have to pull the trigger. Like if this yeah. individual violated, you, there's no need to spend a lot of time thinking about it because you've already violated something that you said is my core value. And if that's your core value, make the decision based on the value, not based upon the emotion. Yeah. And a lot of corporate America today is, is struggling with that. You know, they're yeah. struggling because of the political influence of this is the right thing. No, that's the right thing. And then you, know, you take a stand and then you lose, you know, corporate valuation, you lose people. You, it really gets murky. But if you just stay your ground and we, we told nine person stories in the book, one in each chapter that had failure. And Steve and I required that if he couldn't share something about their failure, that didn't work for us. Because everybody has it, and not everybody will share it. They just want to look wonderful. And whether, I don't know yeah. anybody like that. Everybody I know is messed up, like me. Yeah. So, you know, we're like, <laughs> we sit around and talk about how messed up we are. We're like, okay, whatever. Let's just go again tomorrow. We'll try it again. So that's what Navigotiate is. To Steve's point with willitude, you must have the willingness and the fortitude to drive through it. But to Navigotiate is likened to like a fighter pilot or a race car driver that has to drive fast especially in the racing world more so because you, you see it with traffic, you know. So you, you're driving with 33 other maniacs, yeah. all with road rage, trying to get to the front. And they'll run you over to get there because there's a big prize at the end, okay? Oh, wow. But you can't touch because if you touch cars, somebody's flying off the space, right? Like literally yeah. off the track. So you're talking hundreds of thousands of seconds between first or second or third position. And yeah. you're talking like just like, quarter of an inch a 16th of an inch of tires touching which is disastrous but they learn craft they trust what they train to do and they navigate the the traffic jam they navigate the pit stops along with their pit crews their crew members and if you keep moving and blending and driving there is a destiny but you don't win every race just like in anything in sport or life you're going to lose a lot more than you're going to win so therefore it's learning how to lose because the, the learning and, and the loss is the learning that can be applied for the win. So there is no losing. It's learning. Yeah, exactly. What did you learn in that loss to apply it to a win? Yeah, I, exactly. And I love this uh, belief about uh, that you're creating for our audience about uh, failure because there is no such thing as failure. It's always learning. And, and I love that. So, so maybe uh, we can also share, you know, one of the examples where people felt in, in the in the in, yeah. in the book, so can yes. you share with us one of these examples and sure. how they learned? What did they learn? I think Terry. I I, I think I'll I'll get one here. Um, I think one of the most phenomenal stories in our book is about Dan Clark. Now Dan mm-hmm. Clark today, if you know who he is, he's one of the top ten public speakers in the world. He's in the public speaker hall of fame. He you know he he was tutelaged for years by Zig Ziglar. I mean, he's truly a very accomplished individual. I don't even know how many books Dan has written. The journey is <laughs> 38 or something like that. I don't even know how you're right now. Yeah, no. and, and he's crazy. And, yeah. Just, that's what we see. And this is what I think Terry is talking about. 
That's what we see today when we look at Dan and we go look him up online. Anybody out there can go look up Dan Clark and find him. What, what you don't see is the story behind that. And the story behind it is pretty phenomenal. At eight years old, encountered cancer. And had he learned a lesson at eight years old about how you had to stick to things like treatment and finding a way through that for himself. And he did. He went on to be an all-star athlete in multiple sports in high school and then in college. He was the number one recruit. He was told by, at the time, Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders, that he was going to be their first round draft pick, which they had the third pick in the draft. And in a practice, he ran head on into another person and was literally paralyzed from the chest down for a period of time, lost feeling in his face even part of the time. And this story is so phenomenal. I can't do it justice, but I'll say this summary of it. The 16th, 16, the 16th doctor he met, wow. the previous 15 had told him, you're never going to walk again. You're never going to be able to play sports again, et cetera, et cetera. These are your limitations. This is the way it's going to be. And on the 16th doctor, he found somebody who said, I believe you can get back to living a normal life. Oh, wow. And the, the excruciating emotional and and physical aspects of going through finding that doctor he describes in a way that i could never do justice to and here he comes out of that and he gets asked by his his former college coach or excuse me high school coach if he would come and speak to the team hmm. and that started a whole process of public speaking and he spoke to literally hundreds and hundreds of high schools and college sports teams and built up his ability. And one day he got the opportunity to be in the same place with Zig Ziglar and Zig Ziglar loved his story. And, and from there he took off into this career path. Now we're talking, we're talking not a period of a year or two. We're talking like a decade. Yeah. This journey was that long for him. Now you want to talk about will to? <laughs> That's how <laughs> I wouldn't consider this a failure at all because he used the way to and the negotiate very much. Well, and we have, we have a section, we talk about failing forward and that's what he was doing. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, and and well, all of it, you know, I think um, what, what I see in the character of Dan is also this whole concept of servant leadership and people get confused around what does that mean? I like to think of it really simply. Our job as a leader is to make other people successful and to make them more successful than we ever might be. Because if you understand, as Therese said earlier, we know our own strengths. And I think you were talking about it too, Nadine, is we don't always recognize what we're, what we're the best at or not the best at. And we have to spend the time. And this is what we mean by you have to find that space where you know you provide great value. And then you have to fill all the other space around you with people who have those strengths. And yeah. that's the art of, of real leadership. And when you serve people in that fashion, you're setting themselves up for success. And, yeah. and that's how you get your own success. And this is what I think is so unique about hearing Dan Clark's story and how he talks about leadership, um, that it all is tied around 
if you serve others truly from a purpose, through your values, through your vision, then you surround yourself with people who want to succeed together. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Very inspiring. Amazing. Thank you very much for these amazing examples. Uh, They are really, uh, they give us a lot of motivation and a lot of inspiration to actually face whatever challenges we're going through. So thank you. And we're going to take another brief uh, commercial break and we'll be right back with Shine Your Light, the Leadership and Emotional Intelligence series. I'm your host, Nadine Zainoun, and we're streaming live on the Bulbray TV network. What if there were a super tiny device that could diagnose the brain and is smaller than a single human hair? What if you could see inside the brain to help an epilepsy patient during surgery or to help a fight against Parkinson's disease? Dr. Patricia Broderick is proud to announce the Broderick Probe, a biomedical and electronic breakthrough. Imagine a probe to help with the understanding and potential cure of brain-related diseases. To learn more, listen live to the Easy Sense Radio Show with host Dr. Broderick, Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Bold Brave Media Network and TuneIn Radio. And to help support the Broderick Foundation, please go to EasySense.com and learn how, with your help, we could fight these horrific brain disorders. That's EasySense.com to learn more and help support the Broderick Foundation. Author, radio show host, and coach John M. Hawkins reveals strategies to help gain perspective, build confidence, find clarity, achieve goals. John M. Hawkins' new book, Coached to Greatness, Unlock Your Full Potential with Limitless Growth, published by iUniverse. Hawkins reveals strategies to help readers accomplish more. He believes the book can coach them to greatness. Hawkins says that the best athletes get to the top of their sword with the help of coaches, mentors, and others. He shares guidance that helps readers reflect on what motivates them. Rediscover and assess their core values, philosophies, and competencies. Find settings that allow them to be the most productive and track their progress towards accomplishing goals. Listen to John Hawkins' My Strategy, Saturdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. So welcome back. You're watching the episode on being invaluable. And to discuss this, we have Steve and Terry who have shared with us amazing stuff from their book, Being Invaluable. So, uh, Terry, you were telling me about a very nice example. Maybe you could uh, share it with uh, everyone. Yes. Well, I mean, part of the title, you know, that we came up with, we talk about becoming invaluable is all about how do you do that? What does that look like? So we shared nine stories in the nine chapters of people that we felt had become invaluable. And we wanted them to share the stories, but we wanted them to be raw. Like, tell, give us the real story. This is not like, give us your greatest moments. Yeah. Tell us your worst moments, and then we'll appreciate your great moments. So, as, as you know, was mentioned about Dan Clark and his struggle and his will to make it through it. Another one is a gentleman named Tim Mitchell, who's a friend of mine who lives in Miami. And he grew up in Michigan, and mm-hmm. he came from a family of physicians. So he's expected to go to college, be a physician. So he went to college and was trying to get into the preliminary biology, hated it, 
and finally told his mom, I can't do this, but don't tell dad. And he went into the music side of education. His dad's still paying for his school, doesn't know this is going on. And finally, he has to have the fortitude to tell his dad, uh, hey, dad, I'm not going to be a physician. I'm going to be a musician. So I'm sure his dad, knowing where he grew up in Gross Point, Michigan, which is a nice area, was thinking musicians starve about 98, 99% of the time. So you're going to have to live <laughs> Rest of your life. I'm not sure this is a really good fit for me. So Tim tells this beautiful story about how he finally broke the news to his dad. He followed his dream. He he left South Detroit and and moved around and schooled and went to just really interesting places where he could learn guitar because he loved guitar. He said he played guitar in the middle of the night in the dark with a nightlight on. I mean, he played like hours and hours and hours a day. It was a passion of his. That was his inspiration. So long story short, speeding that up, he finally ended up in college, went to Miami and uh, had a roommate and his name was John Cicada. And if mm-hmm. you don't know who John Cicada is, you know, he was one of the major backup singers for Gloria Estefan and wrote a lot of her music <laughs> and they're his friends. I mean, they, you know, they shared a room together for college. And so John introduced him and they got connected. So Tim has played with Bob Seger you know, in the Silver Bullet Band, you know, he's been involved with them from years ago. He's written a lot of music and played a lot of music with Gloria Estefan and John Takata, and now is the bass player and one of the primary writers for Shakira. So he's done really well for himself, not following his dad's dream, but <laughs> his dream. His and that dream. takes courage. That takes, that takes courage. I kind of, of did a similar thing where you got to face reality. It's like, I'm not good at that. You don't want me cutting on you. I can talk exactly. to you, but you don't want me cutting on you. So you got to figure out what you're good at. So I, it was a great story in our first chapter about how if you follow your dream and you skill set yourself in a way, you can achieve what you want and probably even more than you thought possible. Yeah, I love that. I love that because it, it shows us how he found his talent and he found the skill that he did better than others and was really great mm-hmm. at and he you know learned how to develop it even further so he got the knowledge and turned it into his skill as you were yeah. saying and I, I love that and he found his own personal one not the one that his yeah. dad wanted and i see that a lot you know with people around the world because they get lost and they are you know they drift towards where people would want them to be or people would like them to be so i like that you gave that example i think it's very valuable to our listeners. So thanks for sharing it. So since we're coming to the end of our episode, unfortunately, I would, I would love to sit here and talk for hours and hours, uh, but unfortunately we have to uh, close the episode for today. That's why so... we wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Stephen, would you like to give us like a summary or a, le- a take home message? Sure. I, I would start off this way. I have right here sitting on my desk, this little metal piece that says, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This is the, the, it's not really the right psychology around it because we have to be able to accept failure, but that's the question we have to ask ourselves. So if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? But you know what all nine of the interviewees said? Failure is not an option. Wow. And that was consistent across every, we were surprised by it. Every single one of our nine interviewees said the same thing. So wow. become invaluable. Well, that doesn't work too good in the light. I'm not doing a very good job yeah. here. Now no, I can see it. It is becoming invaluable 
develop the willitude to negotiate success is all about how do you focus on making yourself invaluable in a situation around which you've found that baseline value for yourself. And so what, what we hope that people will take home from this is this is hard work. This is not something that, oh, you know, the person was in the right place at the right time and they got lucky. This is not, oh, that person has a natural ability to talk to people so they're a leader. No, those are all pieces of knowledge, skills, attitude, health, strength that develop together into this willitude and navigation capability because that's what, as we fail forward, we develop our own self-worth to a higher and higher and higher level. And what I want to say to people is, don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Worry about what you think and right. focus on that value. And that will make the big difference. And that's why we wrote this book, starting out with the I portion, the I, the we, and the it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you, Terry, for sharing all this amazing knowledge with us. Now, uh, before we leave, just uh, can you tell people if they want to purchase the book, how could they do that? Sure. Yeah, we would check into, I mean, Amazon is where most of our books are being sold now, and they've ran out of stock like three or four different times. So it's been a little frustrating because we've had, we know, Steve and I together know a lot of interesting people. So they're buying cases and giving them out to their team leaders, their organizations, and gifting it to people just to say, hey, not that you're messed up, but you might want to read this, <laughs> you know, so we've had a lot of, a lot of interest. So, and we have a website, obviously, around the book, becominginvaluable.com. So okay. you can reach it from both places. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books A Million, Thrift Books, um, uh, Walmart, it's on all of those various sites and all those sites are listed right on our website and you can simply click on the name and it'll take you right to where to buy the book. And um, we hope people do. Perfect, yeah. perfect. Thank you, thank you again for all your generosity and uh, all this beautiful information that you um, shared with us. This is really helpful. I know that it's helpful to me, starting with me, and I'm sure that it's helpful to everyone out there who's listening to us. So thanks again and hope to see you in the future in another episode, maybe with another book, perhaps. Thank you. Thank <laughs> so you for thank having you. Yeah, you're, you're a good interviewer. You know, you listen, and that's a that's a very key quality. So thank you. You're a good interviewer. We appreciate the opportunity to be on your thank show. Thank you. Thank you so much. So you're thank welcome. you for watching us again. So uh, you've been with Shine Your Light, the Leadership and Emotional Intelligence series. Uh, we're going to take a small break on the holidays now, and we'll see you again in January. So have a wonderful, have wonderful holidays. And same. This has been Shine Your Light with Nadine Zainoon. Nadine wants you to know that by focusing on emotional intelligence and her own personal leadership philosophy, you will discover the authentic light deep within you. Through practical tips and tools, Nadine will help you become the inspiration you want to be. Watch Nadine Thursdays, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Bold Brave TV Network.